Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. Silicaga is known for many things, most famously for its fine white Madre cream marble, which has been used in buildings all over the world. In Washington, D.C. alone, it has been used in some form in the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument, and the U.S. Supreme Court building, in addition to the state of Alabama Capitol and the state archives in Montgomery. And Sylacauga is best known as the hometown of television star Jim Neighbors, better known to all of us as Gomer Pyle. But this is not about one of those Sylacauga stories. I was first introduced to Sylacauga, Alabama in the pages of the 1974 Guinness Book of World Records, a prized possession of my childhood. It was a thick book filled with oddities, freaks, record breakers, and ordinary people. Ordinary people like Ann Hodges from Sylacauga. This is her story. It was Tuesday, November 2, 1954, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Ann Hodges was not feeling well, so she was resting on the living room sofa. She was covered in two thick quilts to keep her comfortable. Her mother was there at the house helping out. The skies over central Alabama were clear. A slow-moving fireball appeared in the southern sky. The following sonic boom nearly knocked a boy off his bicycle in Montgomery, Alabama. The fireball fragmented. People reported seeing a bright reddish light like a Roman candle trailing smoke. Others saw a fireball like a gigantic welding arc with a tremendous explosion and a brown cloud. Reports came from as far away as Birmingham, Atlanta, Columbus, Montgomery, and Greenville, Mississippi. Some people thought there was a plane crash, and since it was the height of the Cold War, some thought it might have been the Soviet Union or maybe even a UFO. Authorities went in search of a crash site over a three-state area with as many as 40 planes taking part, but no reports of missing planes came in. One of the rocks from the fireball headed towards a field, and the other headed straight towards the home of a tree surgeon, Eugene Hodges, and his wife, Anne. As Anne slept on the sofa, her mother was sewing in the next room. There was a mighty crash and the house filled with dust. Anne leapt to her feet and her mother ran into the room, thinking the gas heater had exploded. As the dust cleared, they noticed the hole in the roof, and the pain in Anne's side disclosed a large bruise. The larger of the two rocks, weighing in at 8.5 pounds, came through the roof grazed the couple's Philco console radio, and hit Mrs. Hodges as she slept beneath two quilts. They looked for answers and discovered a rock on the floor. They immediately called the police and fire departments. A local geologist came by to check out the rock. He was the first person who identified it as a meteorite. Eugene had no clue that anything happened until he got home at the end of the workday and had to push his way through the crowd to get to his front door. We had a little excitement around here today, Anne told him. A meteor fell through the roof. Due to all the excitement and attention, Anne was admitted to the hospital the next day. She told the Associated Press, I haven't been able to sleep since I was hit. Even though the bruise was impressive, she was not seriously hurt by the meteorite. With Cold War paranoia running high, the Silicaga police chief confiscated the Black Rock and turned it over to the Air Force who flew in by helicopter to take it to Maxwell Air Force Base. As soon as the meteorite was gone, the Hodges wanted it back. 
Adding to the confusion, the Air Force had it, and the mayor promised it to the Museum of Natural History at the University of Alabama. Why he thought he had a right to promise it is unclear. Hodges said, I'm going to demand that the Air Force return the stone to me. They had no business taking it away in the first place. While trying to decide his next move, Hodges looked at the hole in his ceiling and declared, I think I could get enough evidence that the thing fell in my house. The Air Force identified the rock as a meteorite and then sent it to the Smithsonian Institute, who was thrilled to receive it. When asked for it, they refused to send it back to Alabama. It took Alabama Congressman Kenneth Roberts to intervene and have it returned. Bertie Guy wanted the meteorite as well. You see, it fell on her property. The Hodges were renting her house, and according to the law, it was rightfully hers. Suing is the only way she'll ever get it, Ann Hodges said. I think God intended it for me. After all, it hit me. Bertie Guy intended to sue for the meteorite, and Ann Hodges was going to counter-sue for her injuries. Cooler heads prevailed, and the case was settled out of court, with the Hodges offering Bertie Guy $500 for the meteorite. Eugene tried finding a buyer for it, but failed. The excitement of the event had worn off. He missed his moment. He used the meteorite as a doorstop before eventually donating it to the Alabama Museum of Natural History. But what about the other piece of the meteorite? A farmer named Julius Kempis McKinney found the smaller piece on his property a few miles away, this one weighing 3.75 pounds. He was driving a mule-drawn wagon when the mules would not continue due to the black rock in their path. He pushed the rock out of the way and they continued on. That night, after hearing about Ann Hodges' experience, he retrieved the rock and took it home. McKinney connected with the lawyer to help sell the piece of the meteorite that he had found. Later reports indicated that he made enough money from the sale to buy a house and a car. Eventually, that meteorite was donated to the National Museum of Natural History. Getting hit by a meteorite made Ann Hodges a minor celebrity. Her photo appeared on the cover of Life Magazine's December 13, 1954 edition with an article entitled, A Big Bruiser from the Sky. She was also a guest on Gary Moore's TV quiz show, I've Got a Secret to Reveal Her Secrets. And she was the front cover story in almost every major magazine. All the national attention took its toll on Anne. She suffered a nervous breakdown and her health grew worse. The marriage collapsed in 1964 and she died of kidney failure in a nursing home at the age of just 52. Eugene figures all the attention took it all out of her, and she never did recover. According to my 1974 Guinness Book of World Records, Anne Hodges was the only person to be hit by a meteorite. Since then, a couple more have come to light. They aren't as dramatic as the one that hit Anne Hodges. In 1992, a boy in Mbale, Uganda, was hit in the head by a three-gram fragment of a meteorite after bouncing off a banana tree. In 2009, a 14-year-old German boy, Garrett Blank, was hit in the hand by a pea-sized meteorite. While he wasn't seriously injured, the rock did leave a scar and scared him. It hit him hard enough that it knocked him off his bike and buried itself into the road. And back in 1972, a meteorite killed a cow near Valera, Venezuela. A farmer and doctor found the cow and didn't think much of the incident. They processed and ate the remains of the cow. They kept some fragments of the meteorite, selling them years later. In 2018, the meteorite that hit Ann Hodges took flight once again. 
the Paris Museum of Natural History asked to borrow the meteorite for their Meteorites from Sky to Earth show. Transporting the rock was no small task involving appraisals, insurance, a special container, and a team of fine art couriers to get it to Paris for an eight-month exhibit and then back to Tuscaloosa. Not bad for a rock that was once a doorstop. I hope you enjoyed this Alabama short story. If you enjoyed the story, do me a favor and tell one friend to give it a listen. You can subscribe to the podcast at Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. See you next time at Alabama Short Stories.